we are at this chasm, this, this divergence in society that requires us to decide of our own accord what we want to do with our own lives. If COVID was anything, it was the realization for millions of people that it was time to be a man because now a lot of people have found themselves. Seeing the tyranny up close and personal has jolted people and some of the conversations that happen most frequently now are actually religious in nature. If you take it with the right mindset and if you take the right approach to this, you might find it's the greatest experience of your life, which sounds very strange because how could going through such awful crisis be the greatest experience? Well, it could be great because you find something to live for and it becomes very vital again. We all have that limitless potential to think, to create whatever we want, like all possibilities are on the table. There's momentum behind an idea now, and I think that that will only continue to grow. Once you see, you can't unsee. I think there's the chance for a real renaissance of actual true meaning and for people to actually realize you were sent here for a reason. You're not meaningless. Life isn't meaningless. We've all got something very, very beautiful and potentially great to contribute. And, you know, you, that greatness can be as much as you want. It's up to you. Welcome to the Staying Free podcast. Today is a special episode being episode number 50. So I wanted to bring on two of my favorite people for this episode. That's Parallel Mike and Seb Lee, both of which you should already know because I've had previous episodes with both of them. Parallel Mike has a popular YouTube channel, Parallel Systems Broadcast. And Seb has his Born Bright website and community, as well as his popular Telegram group and Twitter account, The Corona Cure. I wanted to bring Seb and Mike on to have a much more broad discussion about the current state of the freedom community, as well as the values and principles that we're trying to promote in this new world that we're going into. For me, Mike and Seb are two people I've really looked up to since the world turned upside down in 2020. I think they're always advocating a positive message and they're always looking at the world through first principles and also always striving to become more self-sovereign on an individual level and helping other people to do the same. If you like the episode, please give it a like and a share on social media. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, make sure you give it a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform you're using. If you're new here, welcome. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes. And a couple more things to mention here. I've literally just set up a new Telegram group, which I hope to have a few of you in there and we can have some discussions around the episodes and I'll also be sharing out when the episodes release and all the rest of it. So the URL for that Telegram group is t.me slash stayingfreepod. Also, I've just set up monthly and annual membership tiers so that listeners can support me on a rolling basis. There's a few different perks for those starting at just £1 a month. So I really, really hope that you'll check those out at buymeacoffee.com slash stayingfreepod. I really love doing this podcast and bringing you guys these conversations, but unfortunately at the moment, I'm not making enough from donations to even fund the cost of running the show. So I really hope that more of you guys will go over there, support the work that I'm doing, and then I can keep bringing you this content. As always, you can also support me with Bitcoin tips, both on-chain and via Lightning Network. Links to those are in the description. And you can listen on the Fountain app so that you can stream sats while you listen. I just want to give a special thanks to Mike as well, who, after doing this conversation, bought me 18 coffees on Buy Me A Coffee, which funded an entire year worth of hosting costs. So thank you so much for that, Mike. It really means a lot, and it's going to go very far. All right, on to the episode. All right, Seb and Mike, thanks so much for joining me for this conversation. Um, it's been, it's awesome to get you both on the pod together. Um, you know, the reason I wanted to bring you guys on this is because you are two of the best examples I think out there 
of not only kind of living in a self-sovereign way and kind of really staying true to your values and advocating those values, um, but, but also just, just kind of like the spirit of, I think, how you guys uh, view the freedom movement and where we're going. I think you have a really, really good uh, grasp of it. And, you know, I've obviously spoken to you both before separately, and um, I thought it'd be awesome to bring you together and we can kind of have a conversation and see where things are up to and just share a few ideas. So welcome to the pod, Seb. Thanks, Johnny. Uh, it's good to be here again. I know I looked earlier on today and I think it was a good nine or 10 months ago, maybe when we last spoke. So I think every, everything for everyone will have changed. Uh, a lot of people have changed ideas and changed the perception of things. So hopefully we've all, uh, grown in that time individually. Yep. And Mike, I spoke a little more recently to you, uh, for the, the Christmas episode where we did the kind of review of everything that had been going on in the year, but haven't spoke to you since then. So, uh, welcome to the pod, Mike. Cheers, Johnny. No, it's a honor to be back on and, uh, yeah, happy 50th anniversary for your, uh, podcast. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's all, I know how much work you're putting into it. Um, of course I do my own show as well and, uh, it's a big, these things are things to celebrate because it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort, but hopefully you're seeing the rewards and at least, you know, you're seeing that growth in yourself because, uh, I've been watching the show ever since you first invited me on and you, uh, your show was actually the first show I ever did go on. Uh, so I'm indebted to you because that was literally the first interview I did. Uh, you introduced me to some great people and I've been following your podcast ever since. And I think you've made a, f it's one of my favorites. And I think it's, I, I genuinely mean it when I say that I think you are one of the best hosts, hosts out there. And, uh, you shouldn't take any credit for that, Johnny. I think it's just natural because <laughs> you, you, I think it's just natural that you've got this really great hosting style. So, uh, you can take from that what you will. Well, yeah, thanks, mate. That, that definitely means a lot, uh, you know, especially coming from you, you know, you've got such a, such a great channel and you're doing like really awesome work yourself. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't mention that before, but you know, the, the reason I wanted to do it for this episode, for episode 50 is just kind of a, a little bit of a celebration. I, I thought, you know, I'll just bring together two people for a conversation. I think it's going to be really cool just for episode 50. So yeah, normally my conversations are one-on-one, -on -one. obviously we've got three in this one. So, um, you know, I'll, we can have a general conversation if people, uh, you know, want to jump in, just jump in. I won't try to kind of like, um, guide it and just, uh, you know, um, say your name or whatever. So just jump in, jump in whenever, but I guess just, just first of all, just keeping it really, really broad. Um, how do you guys, um, think everything has gone since, I guess, let's say maybe in the last year, you know, like how, how are things feeling kind of like more recently for you? Obviously, you know, we kind of first came together and a lot of this freedom community came together from everything that happened with COVID. We had the whole COVID thing and then we had the, the aftermath of that and the whole kind of vaccine, um, you know, the kind of vaccine coercion and fighting that battle. And then that's kind of, you know, seemingly gone away now. Obviously, we've still got a lot of the after effects in that and there's a lot of discussion going on about adverse events and all the rest of it. But the freedom movement itself and this kind of community that we've built, what are you guys' uh, thoughts about where it's up to right now? Yeah, I can, I can jump in with where I think it is and, and how things have changed. But summarizing, I think it's, it's blown up. I think it's blown up beyond what the other side were expecting. I, I, I am now regularly, I, I, I go to a, a, a judo class every week, you know, and I do a, a few sessions there, not me, I, I'm watching, but I was sitting with a, a few parents uh, a few weeks ago and over the course of the last 
six or seven weeks regularly in conversations things are coming up about the state of play you know this shouldn't have happened did i've even been asked now did you take the dreaded injection and i've even now had people admit that they didn't you know and and, and those conversations weren't happening 10 11 months ago definitely not two years ago when 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 we all i suppose kind of came into our own with this thing so so yeah i think it's i think it's growing and continues to grow exponentially and there's momentum behind an idea now and i think that that will only continue to grow once you see you can't unsee yes i I absolutely agree with that i think that there does seem to have been a kind of sea change i know that maybe some people thought this whole COVID thing was going to just be a very short thing. You know, we had a kind of resistance, we had, you know, a protest movement, but that once that was out of the way, once the, um, the initial lockdowns were out of the way or the, or the vaccines or whatever the, the thing related to that was that, you know, everyone would go back to normal. Everyone would kind of, you know, sink back to where they were before and just kind of continue, continue their, their lives as they were. But I actually don't think that's happened. I think that so many people recognize that COVID-19 was the straw that broke this camel's back. And people recognized that not only was that a a big event in itself, but it kind of represented um, for a lot of people that the world has kind of gone astray. We've lost our sense of values. We've, we've lost our sense of reason. And I think the people who recognize this kind of know that you know, the next thing will come along. We can't just abandon this fight. We can't just kind of walk away and say, okay, well, that's it. You know, COVID's over. Like, we won day one, whatever happened, and it's and it's it's behind us. Like I think people fundamentally recognize that something has become become corrupted about society. Um, and that still needs to be fixed. There's still like a lot of work to be done there. And actually we have to be the architects of that new world. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think um I think Johnny, if you if you come across the the, the whole fourth turning idea and the stages of you know societal collapse, and there's these this idea of these four phases of society, and, and, and I've heard it said many times, we seem to be in this fourth phase where corruption and uh, you know Sodom and Gomorrah kind of comes to the fore, and there's just this period of uncertainty and collapse. But then as the cycle continues through, as it has done historically, the following phase or the one that comes next is the, the heroic phase, you know, where, where, where people step up and, and they start and uh, become leaders again, become archetypes, you know, become role models. It's almost like we've been so badly suppressed in our education, in our upbringing that we've lost this, uh, self of sense of self. And I think we, we just lost and we, we letting these, uh, these demonic entities or however you want to look at it drive us to wherever they want to go. And, and I think that's being recognized. And I think it was always supposed to be recognized. And, 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 and for me, it, it's, we are where we're supposed to be right now. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Mike, do you feel also like this, that there's a sense of, even though this has kind of all happened and we've kind of gone through this, this really, you know, awful process i guess with, with everything that happened with COVID, with covid19 but off the back of that that we've actually we're actually kind of creating something where it's almost set us back on track you know it's almost kind of realigned us in some way um you know i, I often reference my conversation with joel rafidi who i'm hoping to have back on the podcast soon and he kind of really opened my mind to this idea that like we needed this event to shock us we needed the, we needed something to shake us the kind of cold water to splash us on our face and that event was it to actually help us to say okay what are we doing here? You know, we're, we're sleepwalking at the moment. Is that a sense you get as well, Mike? 
I think what happened in uh, 2020, 2021 was the, it was the wake up call for a lot of people. And I think it was the kind of event that you're either going to come out of that with a completely different perception and view of how the world is. It's maybe going to change you unless you already had figured it out. You know, a lot of people uh, maybe saw things in the past like 9-11 and that maybe jolted them a little bit. But I think for a lot of people, it certainly was the last few years. And uh, it's a difficult one, Johnny, because whilst I'm like I'm an eternal optimist for uh, the individual, like I think you as a human being and as an individual, you've got the infinite capacity to um, self-actualize, to become uh, somebody who saves themselves. You know, you, I believe you can save yourself. I believe that, that is all you have to do. You don't have to worry about are a million people, are 10 million people, are a billion people awake to what's going on. I never frame it like that. I always say to people, just worry about yourself, you know, worry about your own soul, worry about not becoming one of those people who was saying like, lock people up who didn't take the vaccine or, you know, go back to the 1930s, a concentration camp prison guard or somebody in revolutionary Russia who was rounding up kulaks and, and burning them in churches. You know, th th these, these are the things that people have done. Uh, so just don't be that. Don't I, I, make that commitment to yourself that you're going to be living in truth. You're not going to allow yourself to become this immoral, uh, corrupted, rotten uh, human being, because I think that's what they want people to do. You know, I think they're trying to radicalize people. So uh, I'm an optimist in that sense. But in terms of the like the kind of overall thing, do I think we're kind of on track as society? I think we've got a really long way to go. Uh, I think that's probably the most optimistic way I can put it. We've got a really long way to go because... It seems to me we're missing that that critical thought part, you know, where people truly are, are analyzing. And I was speaking about this just yesterday with someone. Also, it's this and um, this set of core principles seems to be missing. You know, the core morality, core principles um, that you're willing to fight for and you're willing to die for. You know, that kind of attitude of no, this is who I am and this is what I believe. I think we've got some going to get there, but we certainly are seeing more people start to make those commitments to themselves and maybe to each other as well, like to, to creation, to God. Yeah. I mean, I, I ultimately think that the way that society looks, it, it ultimately is just a reflection of the individuals within the society and the moral values they hold. Right. I think that, that COVID-19 and the kind of craziness that um, ensued from that and the fact that everyone was willing to just so quickly throw out, you know, first principles, et cetera. I think that was a kind of reflection of the fact that those, those first, first principles were kind of missing on an individual level anyway. Like people didn't really have a, a, a full grasp of their own individual ethics to the point where when this thing came along, they didn't know how to apply those ethics. And then that kind of result is, you know, on a higher, higher up level to the point where you had essentially global shutdowns, you know, global vaccine mandates and these things that otherwise really should be unthinkable on an ethical level if you actually look at individual sovereignty, et cetera. So it seems like uh, this event though has shaken so many people to actually reevaluate their individual principles that I'm hoping that that's going to kind of ripple out, um, you know, into the wider world that, you know, so many people will say, Hey, wait a second, this doesn't feel right. Maybe I need to actually think about my morals and my ethics and, and, and my principles and what they're about. And hopefully, hopefully we're starting a kind of, you know, not just a grassroots movement, but also a kind of grassroots reevaluation of like, of like, what it means to be an, an ethical person, what it means to be a principled person. I mean, do, do you, do you get any sense of that or is it, are you still kind of pessimistic on that front as well, Mike? 
No, not not at all. I've I've been very uh, touched uh, emotionally many times by things that I've seen over the past year. You know, uh, people reaching out in private messages, and you know, people donating randomly to to to, to the content and saying thank you for, for for speaking out and stuff stuff like this. So, you know, all of those things suggest to me that there are big changes happening, and I know that from the conversations I have uh, with individuals. But I do think so far it still is that individual change. And like you said, um, that individual change is everything. But I also think for that collective consciousness, and I do believe we've got an individual consciousness and then a collective one, and that collective one is what shapes uh, reality. It's the more pe- so it's very simple. It's you've got good the good basket and the bad basket, and which one do you put more into? If there's more people living in fear and anxiety and confusion and self-doubt then that's the collective consciousness of society and that will mold society and that's why they put so much time and effort and energy into you know everything has to be fear-based and it has to be all pervasive constant drilling fear into people and it you know this is where the this is where it's not just about covid it's about everything for the past let's say 60 70 years you know this constant culture of fear if it's not the cold war then it went on to you know terrorism 9-11 then it was uh random terrorist attacks then it was obviously covid and now it's a war and there'll be something else and i i guess what i'm trying to get through to people is you know you need to make that commitment to yourself not to live in fear but also take responsibility for the collective consciousness because we do shape that reality it's shaped by us not by them you know their agendas and those things that they push through to us we actually enact them every time and it's our energy that creates the fertile ground for them to actually exist. And the moment we change that in our own lives, it's like that spreads out, you know, people recognize it. It's like you light someone else's flame. So, uh, so I'm definitely optimistic about that, but I think for that critical mass to happen, I just think we've got a really long way to go. So, you know, the sooner we all get started, the better, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'd agree. We're, we're still kind of a, a long way off, but you know, I do like to think that that kind of f- that fire has been started in a way. Um, so you guys are both, you know, kind of got your own respective communities. Seb, you've got, um, Born Bright and Mike, uh, you've got everything going on with parallel systems and, and the parallel, parallel systems broadcast. What is the, what kind of conversations are, are going on within the community? So, you know, like forgetting kind of, you know, average Joe for a minute and just talking about the people who you're kind of interacting with, what kind of conversations you're having in the community? What are people talking about? What are the, what are you noticing within it? What are the values of people? Um, I'm interested to know kind of like what those, what those communities are looking and feeling, feeling like right now, which, which you guys are, you know, both, both kind of big parts of. Yeah, I, I can jump in with how uh, I see things going with 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 my stuff, but th- dis- distinctly there seems to be two groups uh, of people. There, there's there's there seems to be a, a group of people that are still in like a shock and awe phase. Like uh, all of this seems new and it, it's very frantic, and uh, they don't really know how to process what's going on because it, it, it's all new. It's a new trauma. Uh, and, and for, for those people, they they just want to run. It's, it's like a flight. They want to get out. They want to go somewhere. It's like a knee jerk reaction to go somewhere uh, and share news and wake people up and and get the light paper out to as many people and just share, share, share the latest piece of bad news because they, they have this belief that the more people that see the message, the more people will come to the realization that they've come to. But 
from what I've seen, that's not how it works. You guys might be able to confirm that in your own interactions with the conversations you've have, you're having, but it's almost like the individual, like Mike just said, has to be ready to receive that information. Uh, and if they're not ready to receive it, then it's almost like you are going head up against someone's belief system or their faith. And, and uh, no matter how many facts you present to that person, you're never going to change that, that person's behavior. Then there's another group though, who are over all of that fear and they're really motivated and they're really inspired and they're doing things in their local communities, like getting groups together. I, I just had a, a man email me this week uh, who's been a subscriber of the newsletter and stuff for since it started. And he said, and he said, you know, it's Seb, it's taken me two years to get to this point, but I finally got enough courage to buy 200 copies of the light paper and I'm going to go outside and I'm going to distribute them to everyone in my town. Uh, and I've just registered with Fifi at a stand in the park and I've set my own stand in the park up. So whilst it's a long, it's a long way in terms of time away from where it was two years ago, that's the two types of conversations that I'm having fear and action. And I prefer to be around the action phase because like Mike said, you know, th those people who are ready in action mode, they are the ones who I see is using their nascent and latent power of imagination to create and change. So that's, that's the two kinds of people I'm coming uh, into conversation with. Yeah. I think for me, Johnny, the community that seems to have built up around my channel, it's a lot of people who are doing similar things to what I did. So it's people who are taking action and deciding to um, radically change their lives in some ways. So I've got a lot of people who have moved location. I've got people who have moved from, this is in my private Telegram group, uh, which is for people who subscribe to my Patreon. Um, and we've got people who have moved from Australia to Russia, America to Czech Republic. Uh, people who have moved to Germany. People who have moved to Scandinavia. And it's similar to what I did, of course. I left the UK and went to Poland. And everyone that's in the group are the people who have gotten themselves to that stage of real radical personal responsibility and that is saying that this is happening globally but that's no excuse to not take responsibility for my de own destiny you know my life my destiny we're all going to have threats we're going to have crises we're going to have people doing just things to us but so what i mean that's what the story of the bible teaches us that's what the story of any great heroic tale teaches us is that these things are going to happen and you can still act you know you've still got choices you've always got a choice uh so i'm really blessed that that's the people that are coming to me and i think that's the message i put out on my channel as well and i don't really suffer very lightly people who live in that state of um uh, it's all doom and gloom. It's the end of the world. Look at this. Have you seen how terrible it is? You know, I always shut that down. And uh, I did that from the very start of the channel. I have actually, that's the only thing that I've blocked out of my comments is people who deliver that kind of message. I've just got zero time for it because I'm way past that myself. Uh, I don't encourage that on my channel. Anyone that comes to my Telegram group, the first thing that I talk about is radical personal responsibility. It's up to you to fix this. We're not going to whine about it. We're not going to complain about it. We're going to accept it. And then we're going to move on. Unfortunately, that seems to be the crowd that's growing up now. I think part of that, like I said, is just because from the very beginning, that's the only, you know, I'm a very easygoing, placid person, but that is the one thing that I just, it's like, I'm compassionate. If you're stuck in that place, 
but I'm not going to nurture it either. You know, I'm going to say, no, you need to figure that out first. You need to find something to live for. You need to have meaning in your life uh, and take responsibility for the energy you're putting out because uh, that's, that's to me so vital is that if you're magnifying their messages of fear, even if you're in this red pill truth community and you're saying, look at what they've done, here's another video exposing it. It's like, yeah, but that's what they want too. You know, that magnification they don't care that you're in the truth community. You're actually doing their, their bidding for them. I mean, that's why I've reached out to Seb. Actually, I, I hadn't seen your videos, Seb, uh, but through Johnny, I found you. And I was like, Seb's always positive message. And I'm sure you don't always feel positive, Seb, because none of us do. We all go through our periods where you think, God, this is a slog and this is hard. But the fact is, that's not what you're choosing to magnify. Uh, and it's a similar philosophy on my channel. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm talking about this is happening, but here's what you can do. You know, here's something that you can do about it. And I always leave people on that hopeful message, you know, have a, have a beautiful week, have a fantastic day, you know, and it, I'm always there in the live chat if someone wants to just to pick me up in a chat. And I think that's what you're doing too, Johnny, on your show. So I, I think uh, for me, that's what I'm trying to nurture now. Um, and yeah, I hope, like I said, it does seem to join people that are looking for that too. So uh, I feel very blessed that that's the community that's kind of growing up around it. And yeah, hopefully it'll continue to grow. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I, you know, I appreciate that. And and I, and like I said, you know, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to speak to, to both of you guys. I think you both embody this as well. You know, you're people who are just talking about solutions and talking about things also like from a positive angle. There's no, there's no sitting around and kind of, you know, crying about, oh, but this happened or that happened. It's like, okay, this has happened. You know, bad things have happened. Governments are doing bad things. You know, technocrats are doing bad things. They have their plans, but like what, like, they can do all of that and we can scream about it and shout about it. But what are we ultimately trying to do? And I think this is kind of what separates, I guess, this kind of niche of this, of this community. You know, even though there's a community at large, I do still see a lot of people who are on Twitter just sharing, you know, like just sharing stuff, you know, really negative stuff and, you know, still talking, talking every day about, oh, but, you know, there's going to be the 15 minute cities and, oh, there's going to be this and there's going to be that. And that's bad. You know, like th this stuff is bad and it's, it's good to talk about it, but not to only talk about it. Like you, you also have to say, okay, what, what is the, what's the thing that I'm going to do? What's the thing that I'm trying to push? And I think that it comes back to something that you just mentioned there, Mike, which is like, what, what are we living for? I think this is ultimately what it comes down, what it comes down to is you've got to be living in service of something that is greater than yourself. Cause they've got the thing that's greater, greater than themselves, you know, all the great reset people, their thing that's greater than themselves is we want to become God, right? They have their vision. I mean, we, we might hate that vision. We might think that vision is awful and evil and all the rest of it, but they have a vision and they are very aligned. You know, there is no um, kind of duality in their thinking. They are completely unified behind the goal. We want to play God. We're going to, you know, um, inject whatever we want into people. We're going to, you know, reduce the world's population if we want. We're going to force everyone to live in 15-minute cities. They they have their goals, right? Like, you know, like, like it or hate it. And in our case, hate it. But, you know, they have their unified goals. And I think that we have to have our goals. We have to things that to have the things that that light us up and make us excited to say, okay, this is what we're going to live for. You've got your idea. Now this is what we're going to live for. Uh, you know, like some, some key principles. And I think I would say that like self-sovereignty and, you know, personal responsibility are two of those like really key pillars that, that I know you guys talk a lot about and, and, 
that's kind of like central to that. But I'm just wondering if you guys can share some, some more ideas of like, what are the principles that people need to have? Because I think this is at the core of this. You know, I think that beyond everything, people have got to know, what am I living for? What am I actually trying to achieve here? What, what are my values and what's the world I want to bring about? That, that I think is the most powerful thing for us to actually achieve our aims, not just to fight theirs, not just to look at what they're doing and say, okay, I'm going to pose 15 minute cities. I'm going to, I'm going to not take the next vaccine, but actually to say, what's the world I want to bring about? So, you know, if you guys can just riff on a few of those ideas as well. Yeah, happy to. And I think though, just before I do that, I just want to jump in here and kind of, cause it seems a good opportunity to list the, the, the main things that people share at the moment. And, and, and you've got like the 15 minute city. And I, and I always say, I mean, there's a, the post going around at the moment, you, you know, you could kill that with a, a paper bag, stick it over the camera. The ANPR machine is not going to read your number plate. You're not going to get a fine through the door. You're not going to get bailiffs knocking on the door. I mean, there's even one guy who's chopped one down with an angle grinder. So to say that the 15 minute city thing, it, 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 it it's just, it, it's almost like for likes. I get it. I see it. I know what they want to do, but. What they want, they couldn't even get track and trace to work with 37 billion pounds. So how they can do that with, I can't see it. And then it, even all like the vaccine stuff, people are over that now. For me, I think people are over that. Like the, I see everywhere now billions of doses of the injection getting burnt and thrown out and poured down drains. Uh, I just, I just think there is that there are simple ways to cover every single thing that people get fearful about. The immigration, you know, the the boat people. I mean, if you go through the numbers, there might be 400,000 of them in total. Uh, and, and I keep saying, you know, the area where I'm from, if you have a group of people who are uh, determined to cause havoc in that area, it won't take long before those people pick on the wrong person and there will be severe retribution because the people that live here have lived here for forever. So you, you, there's there's a natural resistance, like our bodies have this natural resistance to to all of these things that are trying to hurt us and kill us. There's there's just a natural resistance innate in all of us to all of this stuff. And I think what Mike said is absolutely right. It's about the way they magnify things to make you be afraid. So for me, I I, I try to think I, I try to think what is actually a real threat to my personal being. I can't actually think of anything that is a real threat to me, the, the, the living standing man, when I go outside, what is going to hit me actually, you know, and, and, and I, that's kind of the way I process it because I just think there's a way around everything. There's loopholes for everything. So that that's what I think about all of their stuff. And I would love to list them and then just quickly uh, kind of rebook them in, in simple ways. But as for values uh, as to what we need to do to unify ourselves. One of the things that comes up a lot in the communities, in all the community groups that I've tried to start and been involved with, if there is not a singular shared value that is bigger than the individual, ego or whatever, all this other stuff, then the group tends to peter out. And that's why religion, for all of its flaws, has a unifying force that is able to reach uh, a, a large variety of people. And I think in the absence of religion, we lack a unifying force on this side of the fence. There is no shared goal. And that's why I think a lot of the groups start and they get a bit of momentum and then they peter out and they, and they kind of uh, disintegrate because there's not a single unifying force. 
uh, because people are afraid to believe in God. Some people are afraid to believe in the idea of a universal consciousness. There is no singular religion or ideology that unites us. And I think that's a barrier that, that we all need to overcome. And, you know, we need to just say, right, Johnny, you might not, uh, eat the same things that I do, but we have a shared goal in this. Can we put that aside? so that we can grow our own food? Can we put that aside to buy things in gold and silver? And I think that's a lesson we're all learning at the moment. But like Mike said, it starts with you. You have to be right in yourself with your own values. And uh, from there, it goes out. Yeah, Mike, your your thoughts on all that as well? Yeah, uh, no, I echo what Seb said for sure and one of the things that i think is really important and one of the reasons why i chose to really focus on the financial aspect although i do you know i do live streams as well which i kind of think people can just watch the financial stuff if they want but they can also go watch a live stream if they do want to which is more about philosophy uh, ethics uh, and that seems to get you know complete the same audience sometimes come across but i also have like kind of a separate audience who i think just like the live streams too and it's, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, that's something that I think is just so important. People start to reflect on. Uh, and that word reflection actually is key, you know, to actually reflect on your life, to th- sit back at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the year, you know, and take time to say, what, what have I done this year? You know, what was it for? Did I just coast along this year? Did I develop anywhere? Uh, what do I want to improve on? You know, how are my relationships doing with my wife or my husband or my children? Uh, and I think reflection has been taken out of society uh, and we've lost those spaces where we were reflecting. We used to, re- you know, go for a walk in nature. You might, uh, you know, you'd sit down by yourself in the evening, maybe with the candlelight or a fire on. But everything now is so occupied because we've got technology interfering with every space in our life. So I think it's very difficult to find those times to reflect. Uh, so, you know, this, this is something that I often try and advise people to do is just start to reconnect with yourself because if you're not reconnected with yourself and your true, uh, moral principles, what do you stand for? You know, what kind of life do you want? Uh, and some people are scared to do that because we're failing in certain areas. You know, we've all got something about us that we're ashamed of, that we're not doing right. And, you know, when we reflect, it, 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 it stands out like a red uh, siren saying you need to address this. Uh, and I think that's what we need to do. We need to look within inside ourselves and say, what do we need to address and start to work on that? You know, before we worry about everyone else and, uh, you know, Jordan Peterson used to talk about cleaning your room. And, you know, I think he was for a lot of people, he, he was kind of that message was taken quite well at a certain point. Uh, it's kind of gone a bit off. It's gone a bit down some strange routes recently, but, uh, but yeah, and I guess that's the, that's the message I echo in, in terms of like the principles I've actually got, uh, the group, uh, ethos that i put on my um telegram groups i'll read them out if you want there's just a there's just six of them yeah please do the first one was i'm making a conscious decision to survive what is coming uh no matter how difficult the circumstances become number two was i adopt a continual growth mindset and choose to see obstacles and hardships as opportunities for personal growth number three was rather than complain about problems i take action to try and solve them Number four was, I am not looking for somebody to come and save me. I take complete responsibility for my life and the outcomes that I receive. Number five was, I reflect on my successes and failures and try to learn from them. Wherever possible, I learn from others also, recognizing I do not have all the answers and other people can help me. 
And number six, the final one, was I choose to be my authentic self and to live with integrity, basing my life on moral principles. Irrespective of what the rest of society thinks or does, I stick by my core principles and will fight to uphold them. Now, I think from those things, I think a lot of people realized during COVID that that is what they want and that is how they think. But maybe it just crystallized around that one issue. And the great thing is now that kind of schism that's created in there in our lives, we've all had this catastrophic thing come in for those people that we're not thinking about what life's about, what the meaning is, you know, is there a purpose here? Is there something worth fighting for? Because if not, Johnny, what is there? There's nihilism. You know I mean? If all it is is dead materialism, come here, you know, you only live once, let's go party, let's sleep around, and then we'll die later on. You know, that's not what it's about. And I think we all know that deep down. And I think something like COVID has, and, and seeing the tyranny up close and personal has jolted people. And some of the conversations that happen most frequently now are, actually religious in nature you know that we're talking about theology and uh and that and i don't and i think for a lot of people it's the first time maybe they've had that and we all had religion in this kind of set format from being children which was a very performative thing you go you turn up you leave and now people are all of a sudden like wait a minute like they this is evil that we're facing you know and these people are satanists like you know there's no two ways about it they've got very satanic belief system so maybe there's something dual dualism on the other side of that maybe good does exist and maybe where maybe we are we are actually here to fight for good you know we're actually not here to just placidly like go through life and enjoy it and you know maybe there's something deeper so uh, i think that's really exciting for people is to realize wow there's, there's there's a whole new part of my life that now i'm exploring and i think if you've got that kind of little itch and you're feeling it like and maybe you've framed it things before just from a morality sense but maybe you're actually now seeing something else and maybe awakening to the possibility that there is something um, divine about life that creation is beautiful and that darkness can infest that and, and destroy it and we actually have a duty to to live in this kind of light as they say you know like a biblical biblical perspective but you can frame it how you want seb said collective consciousness and i i i view it in all of those things i think jesus was a teacher i think um buddha was a teacher i think they're all giving you different aspects i think jesus just gave us a very humanistic element i uh, sorry a humanistic um a representation of a very divine message but you can take it to a different place you can go back to the pagan type belief system which is about embracing nature and you know jesus was the son of god well the pagans worship the sun the very the one and the same you know the christ figure is represented by the sun so maybe you embrace nature you know i like to go i i actually see things from a more natural perspective because i work with nature i grow my own food i was a you know I, I used to spend all my time running in nature as an athlete so that to me is where i feel closest to if you want to say god you want to say spirit whatever so whatever it is for you i think if you've got that feeling that maybe there is something more i would now's a good time to start exploring those things buy yourself some books you know just just don't, don't be because i think unfortunately religion really got tarnished because it was taken by basically a, the mafia <laughs> you know like the the vatican and you know all of these organized religions are just like just like any other artifice of man the corrupted the, like a mafia and sadly that that has turned many people away and i think intentionally so uh because if you don't have anything to live for then sadly you probably if you don't have something bigger to live for should i say you you're sadly probably going to get um, caught up at some point in one of these psyops and you're not going to be able to fight it back because you're not going to have that that strength you know to say actually no there's something bigger to worth fighting for 
So, uh, yeah, I don't know if that. I don't know if I answered five questions in one there, but no, no, <laughs> that's just some of the stuff we've been thinking that's about. Great. I, I am one of those people who goes to your channel and I pick out the live streams first. So I love the financial stuff, but you know, I I, I love the, the the parallel systems live streams because you know I think you have a lot of uh, a lot of knowledge and, and wisdom to offer. So I definitely recommend that people you go to Mike's channel, go and check that out. You're going to get like you know one of the world's best <laughs> counseling sessions and it's going to be absolutely free and you're going to watch it but hopefully you also subscribe to the patreon too um so yeah i uh, just jumping on, on the back of what you said though though mike um yeah i think that you know kind of going back to this this big event that that's kind of shaking everyone you know i, I agree with what you said about the, the 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 nature of evil i've never thought about the nature of good of evil in the same way until this happened you know i wasn't a religious person didn't really think too much about religion I still wouldn't say I'm a particularly religious person, but I'm definitely coming around to a lot of those ideas. And in particular, just the idea that there is this, um, this kind of, uh, I guess, duality in the world or the, this, these binary forces in the world of good and evil. And I got the distinct sense during everything that was going on with COVID that not only was it kind of, you know, evil in its essence, uh, in its essence of, of this, this kind of very clear lie that was being told into the world. And I actually think that, that lies and evil are fundamentally connected in, in a way that's kind of hard to articulate, but there seems to be something in the nature of, you know, truth and God and evil and lies and, you know, light and dark. And there's this kind of a lot of these, these kind of binaries that seem to, you know, ha have feeling for me now that, that didn't in a way before. But during that time, you know, I got the real sense that no matter how many, even if every single one of my, you know, friends and family had a, had a kind of, you know, you know, fallen for the, the, the whole COVID thing. I mean, they didn't, you know, I had some people in my personal life, most people, you know, completely, you know, believed everything, but even if every single one of them, I, I just felt a real inherent sense that it was wrong. You know, it was all completely wrong and it was, it felt evil to me. Uh, even if it didn't feel evil to other people, I was able to kind of tune into this, um, this feeling within myself that was like, you know, I, I saw things like I would look at pictures of, you know, children in masks, you know, I'd look, look at pictures of toddlers in masks. And I just knew that was evil. Nobody could have told me, the whole world could have said, no, it's perfectly normal. And I would have known inherently it was evil. I just got this, this, you know, completely like undeniable sense. And I feel like I've carried that, that through since that time, you know, now I, I feel like I seem to have an ability to, to kind of look at things and rather than just just dismiss them i'm kind of looking at the inherent like good or evil nature of things and i'm starting to see that now in the wider world and i think that for me personally it's it's brought me it's brought me into touch um with something that maybe i've neglected i'm sure it's always there to varying degrees but it's brought me into touch with something which is just okay even if everyone's saying something even if it's the easy thing to do even if it feels really hard doing this other thing if that thing feels right then you should do it. You know, you should kind of just ignore the noise and just say, I'm going to go with what I feel is right. And I think that this is something that certainly like I'm on that path, but I do get the, the sense that a lot of other people are on that path as well. You know, I was, at, um, I was at the, the greater re the, the greater reset Derek Brose's event recently. And I had kind of conversations of this nature with people. And I just got the, the sense that so many people had just said, I, you know, that thing made me ready, ready to opt out because before I was trying to fit in with the world, you know, before I was going along, I maybe thought there was a, you know, something weird going on here or there, or this was a conspiracy or that was a lie, but you could kind of fit in with it. And then this thing happened, which made you just, just go, okay, like now I need to just completely walk away from all of it. Like I can't be part of that system. I can't even kind of entertain it. I can't, um, uh, what's the word? Like, like I can't be anything to do with that. Basically I need to move in another direction. And that's something that, that I've found. So yeah, I think that there is now, you know, I'm looking at other things, obviously the COVID stuff since seemed 
like incredibly evil to me. A lot of what was happening, you know, when, when you would see see images of of kind of people separated from their families, they weren't allowed to say goodbye to their loved ones and things. It was almost just like, if you open the door to this thing, even a bit, even if you just try to kind of go along with it and you, you kind of acquiesce a little bit, eventually that door will be wide open before you know it. So you have to kind of nip it in the bud at an early stage and say, no, I'm not going to go along with this. And that's the only way to kind of like steer society generally into a better direction. So um, I, I guess... I've kind of, you know, changed the topic a little bit here, but I'm I'm wondering if you guys have thought a bit more about that idea of good and evil and these kind of binaries in the world. And, you know, whether you, you have, whether you are thinking about things that you encounter on a different level now that, now that you've kind of closed the door on the normie world, so to speak, and said nothing to do with it. Seb, I know you did this years ago and Mike, you were certainly earlier than me as well. I know Seb, Seb, it was the financial crisis that really kind of, kind of, um, you know, moved you to, to the other side really in terms of like the way that you were thinking about the world. And I'm not sure exactly when that point point was for you, for you Mike, but for me, COVID, COVID was it. So I'm, I'm wondering how you guys are both, both thinking about the nature of kind of good and evil and what, and how to take right action in the world and where you get that motivation to do the right thing, despite, you know, seemingly so many people doing the opposite essentially. Well, in 1841, Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote, Whoso would be a man must be a nonconformist. Because if you are part of society, you're effectively part of a joint stock corporation and you are earning your dividends in bread. But in order to be part of that joint stock corporation, you have to give up that inner voice that makes you be a man. So, if COVID was anything, it was the realization for millions of people that it was time to be a man or a woman. If, 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 if that's, if that's you, you know, um, like an actual woman, not like a, you know, <laughs> a woman with balls, an actual woman. But like if, 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 yes, yeah, so, so that's in, in that whole idea comes from like what you've just said, Johnny, the, the, the realization, your position in this realm, right? Whatever that is, whether you are, where it, whether you are a Satanist or you are on the opposite side of that whole fence, that's your position in this world. And if you ignore that position, you are not living as your true self, as a man, and you're going to get lost. And I think that's what's happened through education and all of these, you know, decades and decades. That's what happened. We've got lost. But that's the great thing about COVID because now a lot of people have found themselves. And for some people, they've found the way back to, you know, religion and, 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 and the notion that good and evil exists. Uh, for me, I've, I've, I've kind of been a, a reader of Taoism for a long time. So I've always believed in the idea of the duality. And, and for me, one thing cannot exist without another. So the, the more evil they present to the world, the more light, the just, the more good there is. It, it just can't exist without the other. So, uh, I do think about it daily, but I also take that quote to heart and, uh, and, and I'm just the nonconformist. I'm past the point where my thoughts and directions are affected by other people because you'll only like resent yourself. Yeah, I've definitely got that that sense as well. You know, um, I, I feel like I've always been kind of nonconformist in many ways of my life. And I know that 
Um, before I think there used to be a resistance there, you know, with whatever it was, I, I always seem to kind of, you know, be into something different or, or have different ideas and, you know, quite often change my mind about big ideas and, and some, sometimes find, oh, okay, like how are people going to, going to find that I've changed my mind on this or that. And, um, yeah, I think that when you become at peace with being a nonconformist, like I think that that is a huge catalyst for, um, actually achieving things in life and not just achieving things necessarily, not like talking material here, but I'm talking more kind of on a spiritual sense, you know, on a growth sense, like growing as a, as an individual and kind of understanding more about yourself in the world. I think that kind of being comfortable with being different and, you know, having nonconformist ideas, et cetera, and just accepting it and saying, I'm not going to ask permission for these ideas. I'm not going to apologize for them, et cetera. I think that's a, you know, that is a really big thing that seems to be something that a lot of people have gone through that, that personally, who I think are like wise people, you know, people who I, who I look up to generally, they, they, they've, they've gone through some process like this where they just say, I, you know, I'm my own person. I'm a sovereign person. I don't, um, you know, I don't, uh, kind of suffer the opinions of others essentially. Um, Mike, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I, and you know, again, for me, this is probably the most important part of all of it is that um, idea and recognizing that we are living in an absolute uh, perfect, perfect creation. In the, you know, this natural system, this um, world that we inhabit is absolutely beautiful. It's got every single thing that every person could possibly need to survive. Um, and what's ha all that's happened is some people have managed to uh, direct us away from that and to turn our head from it. Uh, and basically, they just hold this mirror of darkness up and force us to look in that. But if you just take it away and actually look at, I mean, look how look how these natural systems work. You know, the planet isn't dying. You know, they've poisoned it. There's been pollution. There's been you know, Deepwater Horizon oil spill. Things like this have caused catastrophic. Uh, damage to ecosystems however the planet is not going to die because the planet's um, regenerative uh, and you know and we are a very special creation and human beings are the most beautiful creature that has ever been created because we was given this divine spark i mean you're creating right now you're creating a podcast i'm creating you know my words are coming out of my mouth and people are listening to this and it's affecting their thoughts and their intentions that's what i say is imprinting things in their mind you know that is an extremely powerful thing and god created with the word and we're creating with the word right now and when people when people are so far taken and removed from their true essence, it, it starts to feel very strange to have people talk like that and to think about these things. And you may think, well, it's, you know, I'm not religious. And it's like, well, I'm not religious because religion really is this kind of construct of man. It's some rituals and routines. But what I am is very spiritually open and I'm very aware that the most beautiful things in life can be experienced for free. You know, you don't have to pay for them. And why is that? That's because life is inherently a beautiful thing. You know, your relationships with other people, uh, you know, you got in nature, some of the things that you see, the kind of, like I work on a farm. Well, I don't work. That's the wrong thing to say. I don't work. I live and uh, enjoy living on a farm. Uh, and, uh, you know, like it sounds like just a simple story. Uh, recently, we had um, one of our chickens get attacked by a fox. We came back and she was lying in the middle of the road and she'd been attacked. Now, these chickens are for meat and for eggs, although... Right now, there was just for eggs because there was um, young chickens and 
she'd been really badly attacked and bitten and I did a post about this on Twitter. It was actually probably one of my most popular posts ever. So <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second maybe. But yeah, she'd been attacked. So we took her in the <laughs> house and we, uh, we, 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 we cleaned her up and we, we took care of her for about a month. She lived in the bathroom. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, during this process, when I reintroduced her to the chicken, she wasn't ready and they all attacked her and she had a stroke. So then she was disabled. So then I was like, oh shit, you know, she's been attacked by a fox and now she's had a damn stroke stroke uh, and you know the logical thing to do there on a farm and what everyone advised we do is you get rid of that chicken you know just kill her now and put her out of her misery uh, but we didn't and I couldn't and the reason why is because this this chicken uh, just so happened to be the one chicken that had raised all of our young chicks she's laid so many eggs uh, so we nursed her and we looked after her and uh, you know did you ever think that you could create a bond with a chicken? <laughs> it turns out you can. And, you know, you can see beauty in this little thing uh, and struggling to try and, you know, rebuild her life. And now she's, <laughs> yeah, I know you would. <laughs> yeah. And now she started, you know, she started to walk again uh, and she can stand now and she, you know, and she genuinely has moved on from what happened to she accepted it she's healed up and you know just seeing things like that and being a part of that it's like we don't have those experiences living in a city we don't embrace our compassion and our empathy we don't have chance anymore to really actually foster um, nurture those things within ourselves and to see it grow now fortunately when i my career was um working with people who had uh, being through trauma, I worked with kids, young people who had been abused or been neglected. That was my whole career. So I did get to nurture that. And I think that was one of the reasons why it was very easy for me to, 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 to say no to COVID, to, to the lies. And because I'd already reflected on all those things, I'd reflected on the nature of good and evil because I've, I've sat in the room with evil and I've seen evil. I've felt the energy of evil, you know, people who have done terrible things. And I've seen also some of the, some people who have been through some of the most tragic and awful situations actually come out, out you know you, the strength that they've shown that young kids who should never have the strength to overcome those situations i've seen them that happen too so i've seen the light as well so i've been exposed to that on a very visceral level uh, and like i said just living on a farm you get to see stuff like that every day you know you see it with your animals you, you know you've got a responsibility to them so i think what people are missing in their lives right now is is those kind of um, opportunities to see that either with other humans or with nature itself and i think when you do see it it, it, that that can really open you up to the idea that no, we, we, there is a meaning here. You know, why does it feel good to help someone? Like, why why did it feel bad for you, Johnny, to to see children in masks? Like, what was that? And why you said that nobody taught, had to teach you that? Well, what that's 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 something that's within you naturally, then, isn't it? You've got something naturally within you, and I think we've all got it. I just think it's been really dampened down through culture, uh, the type of. Uh, crap that they feed is on the media and everything's about horror and gore I mean the stuff that we've watched over the past 20 years by the time you get to the age of 20 you've seen probably a, a hundred thousand murders and rapes and attacks in tv so I, I guess that feeds into it too like that depresses our kind of shock to those things we should be shocked by those things we should be shocked by children in masks but actually we've actually had those things given to us for many many years and you know the the, the culture and you know, pop music and all these different things, Hollywood. So I, I think we need to kind of deprogram ourselves a bit from that. We need to get back to these real experiences, uh, maybe do a bit of voluntary work, maybe, you know, go, go, go help out on a farm with somebody, someone like me, I'd gladly take some help. God, we need it, you know? So, you know, anything like that, just um, maybe start to do that. And I think you need to replace some of this toxic world. And we've all been kind of conditioned to, 
to actually like that stuff. You know, everyone has Netflix. Everyone wants to watch these programs. I think you've got to force yourself now. I think you've really got to try and reconnect with that. Um, you know, there's the natural gifts that God gave us, which is our creativity, our empathy, our compassion. And uh, then life gets really beautiful all of a sudden, you know, like, and you've got a purpose, you know, even, even if your purpose is just to help other people. You know, when I was working in the UK, I didn't have to, I didn't have to struggle to get out of bed knowing that I had a responsibility to people to go help them. You know, some days I didn't want to go to work, but I thought, shit, if I don't go to work today, that person, that kid or whoever it is, they're banking on me being there this week. And if I'm not there, I know how bad their home life is. If they don't see me that one hour that they're expecting me, that'll have a tangible impact on their life. So I could get out of bed for that. You know what I mean? So it's, it, I think that's what we need to go back to is having meaning in life and impacting one another. And uh, I guess it starts with yourself as well. You know, start by being nice and compassionate to yourself and then hopefully if you get right with yourself you can start to spread that out to other people and animals too johnny because i know you're uh <laughs> you love your animals like me <laughs> yeah yeah mike mike's uh saving his saving his disabled chicken i'm I'm calling it mike <laughs> parallel mike's going vegan 2023 you heard it first. <laughs> <laughs> so just uh yeah, just jumping on the back of that point you were saying there about, you know, the energy, you know, the energy and kind of, you know, compassion and, and not kind of getting sucked into the darkness and stuff. You know, I, I'm noticing a lot, this, this is kind of a bit of a side point, but I've noticed a lot that on Twitter, it seems to have gone kind of dark lately. The amount of like stuff that I'm getting pushed in my feed that's just like, you know, man gets attacked in street, man gets murdered in broad daylight. And I'm not even following these accounts. And I'm just like, I'm just being given this stuff. And admittedly, sometimes like, you know, the, the clickbait is too much and I fall for it. But it just seems like at the moment, there's just so much of this kind of darkness kind of being, uh, being put out there, just ready for people to, to click onto. But you know, I know that you guys are both, uh, obviously kind of, you know, you've got your, your farm, Mike and Seb, you've got, um, I don't know if we can call it a farm, maybe like a garden, it's, like a growing it's garden, like but... a, a small homestead. So I've got chickens, we've got fruit trees, we've got lots of okay. space to grow things, but it's not, it's not a farm. Right. Yeah. 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 And you know, it sounds, sounds like, uh, you guys are really kind of getting your, getting your hands dirty, literally, you know, actually going out there. And this is something that I'm not doing. I, I wish that I was, I wish that I had like a property that I could actually do that. Um, you know, one day it's definitely something I want to get involved with as well. So I just want to kind of get an idea from you guys just to live, live kind of vicariously through you both for a minute about like what that process is like, you know, going out there, you know, being able to grow food that's from your own back garden. You know, I know you said at one point, uh, you were building something to collect your own water and things like that. And it just looked, it just looked to me like this is the kind of stuff that would really fire you up. I feel like that's the kind of stuff that, you know, we should be living for, which is just building stuff yourself to improve your living conditions. You know, so many people, and I think this, this speaks to a kind of, um, the nature of our consciousness in society in a sense is like people, all they do is, you know, they buy their first house and then, you know, maybe like five years later, they upgrade to another house and they upgrade to another house. And that's their only experience of kind of making progress in life. It's just, do I have a bigger house? Do I have bigger rooms? Do I have, you know, a faster car? Do I have, you know, whatever, whatever the thing is. Right. And with what you guys are doing, you're kind of going right back down to basics and saying, I'm going to collect my own water. I'm going to grow my own food. You know, I'm going to go out there and actually get my hands dirty in the soil, you know, and I imagine that just the people, the kind of people that you both are is even if someone gave you, you know, a million quid right now, you'd probably still be doing those things because they bring you fulfillment. Right. So I just want to know a bit about, um, well, first of all, I guess kind of how you go into that process and your thoughts behind doing it. And then also just how that feels for you both as well, actually kind of, you know, 
being out there and doing kind of real human human stuff like you know digging in the dirt yeah definitely um before i go in it i'll just just touch tiny little back on what mike said about um having this reflective mode to look inwards and, and upon yourself um i think that the the there's two key themes with all of that and the first one is space no one has any space to take the time to do those things which give them that life-changing revelation or epiphany that perhaps this is the direction I need to go in because we're all so conditioned on this path of success. Like what you've just said, Johnny, buy, you know, get the degree, get the car, get the house, get the wife, get the children. We're all conditioned into that from such a young age that we, before we know it, we're on the treadmill and we've got no space. So, it's, you know, there was a time in my life where I, I genuinely thought having the space to meditate was a middle class privilege. Because if, if you haven't got the, the, the resources to take the space, where do you find the space to reflect and stick your fingers in the soil? So that's the first challenge. If people want like a, a way, how do you even begin to take the step that you need to take to, to realize these things? You need to find space. And the best way to find space is to let go of something. So if you let go of something that is taking up a part of your life, you've got to let that go to create space to do something else. So in terms of like an introspective, what can I do about my situation? Look at all the things you're holding on to that are pretty much meaningless, chasing the mortgage, chasing the, all of this stuff. You know, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, find a space because we're in this time where that matters. And the second thing, again, what you've both touched on, Johnny and Mike, is the, the, potential to create and imagine change in the world before any three of us did the things that we did with our respective projects they didn't exist yet there's mike now having that power to cast spells as it were through the word into people that inspires them so we we all have that limitless potential to think, to create whatever we want, like all possibilities are on the table, all possibilities. Do not let anyone think you can't do something. And people that go through trauma or phases and come to that realization, it's easy for those people to say that. But until you actually really put your mind into something and feel that success, you think it's just something that some new age spiritual guru would say while he's sitting down cross-legged with some incense but it is a real thing that this is so powerful. Um, and I think that's how we can, we can create the space to do things. Uh, so that just finishes that bit off for me, but then into the gardening and stuff, uh, first thing I had the space and I, I thought, I don't want to be part of this monstrous beast anymore. I don't want to go up against the algorithm. And I just started sticking my fingers in the soil and, uh, knowing that, you know, you can't eat gold. So, all right, well, then I'll, I'll start growing things. And, and, and in the process of doing that, I then got the chickens. I then, it, there's something uh, ancestral and powerful about just sticking your fingers in the soil. Like even the, like the, we think we are wise and enlightened, but I tell you what, my chickens know more about this place than I do. 100%, they know, they know what to do. My dog knows how to live. 
I am so confused and messed up. And if there's anything, I, I would love to be able to emulate them. You know, there's, they have it. They are. Yeah, uh, that is a really interesting point. I want to come back to something about that, actually, about the, you know, the kind of wisdom of animals and how, how we're kind of different from that. But I'll let, I'll let Mike, first of all, to just kind of respond to the, the point about, you know, gardening and getting your, getting your hands in the soil. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to do what Seb did and go back to what Seb just said about what I just said before that. <laughs> um, when Seb talked, uh, just said about um, creating, uh, we imagine our, our life and uh, we invent our life. And that is 100 uh, percent my 100 percent belief and philosophy in life. Um, from the moment I when I became a, an elite endurance athlete, I imagined that long before I did it. When I first started running, I didn't I was a mediocre runner. And I got a, I, I got a coach who was, uh, he was a, he was a British champion and he taught me that he, if you don't believe you can do something in your mind, he, he was like, I don't care how many hours you run. He said, you can run, you can run, you know, 10 miles a week, you can run a hundred miles a week. But he said, I care about what you're doing in your head. And he really taught me. He was the first person to really teach me to create with my mind. And I don't mean in a very superficial way. I mean, on a very deep level, you've got to do a lot of work to try and, uh, imagine your future and then convince your real core subconscious self that that you can be that person like why can't you be the best at something like why can't you do great and i don't mean in an egotistical way i mean you genuinely have to see yourself as having the capacity to do something extraordinary in life and again this is stuff that they don't want you to know uh, so going back to, this is linked to i guess to the farm is when i lost my running uh, through injury uh, and I was kind of left in a bit of a wasteland. I was like, well, that was my whole future that I'd wrapped up around this one thing. And I was like, well, I can't do that again. And you know, I can't just choose one thing and say, that's all I'm going to be. Uh, even though I had a career elsewhere and stuff like this. So I thought, well, what would the future look like? And I was like, well, it would be more about, it wouldn't be about having something like a thing. It'd be about having a way of life. It'd be about something very meaningful. Of course, it had to be close to nature because I loved being in a forest, wilderness, uh, and I basically applied that same mindset that I had as an athlete, the sports psychology to life. And that's, I imagined we, me when I met, first of all, I imagined my wife and then I met her. So I was like, well, that's great. Cause that one's worked out. <laughs> I'll tick that box. Uh, like I found somebody that was a good partner who I could do that with. But then we sat down and we actually wrote down, what does our life look like in one year? Then we did two years, then we did five years and then we did 10 years. Uh, and at this point we had nothing like we had, didn't have two pennies to rub together. Uh, I didn't know nothing about finance, nothing about investing. Uh, and we imagined everything that I lived today was once written down and imagined on paper. Uh, every single thing from the amount of wealth that I could accumulate from the house, the farm, the way of life, where we live, the relationship we have together. Every single part of that was something that we wrote down and we would commit to daily like every day I, I'd, I'd say I am this not I will be this I am this and it was really working on that subconscious so it's I truly believe like we are all architects of our personal futures and like I said we can't control everything outside outside of ourselves but you know my dream was always to live self-sufficient and have a farm and um, and I made it happen much quicker because I truly put myself there in my mind first. So I would say to anyone, you know, if you if that sounds like something that's a bit strange, just play with it a little bit. You know, see, just play with it a little bit. You know, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? 
it doesn't cost nothing to spend a few moments each morning to actually meditate on that, to visualize. Visualizing is really important because when you visualize something, your subconscious mind accepts it almost as a genuine memory. If you really try and visualize something, it will get filed pretty much in the same part of the brain as an actual um, real experience. And when you do something in a visualization over and over again, the way your brain will interpret that is with, oh, we can do that now. We've seen this before. We don't have to fear that. So if you've got something in life you really want to achieve or want to do, that visualization normalizes it in your head and it then that it then makes it much easier to realize in life so you know it's got a very simplistic explanation or you could actually have a spiritual uh explanation either way it works and that's why all you know the the number one athlete in the world will still be somebody who has a spot of psychologist and a coach because to get the best out of yourself you really do need to work on your mind so anyway sorry to just go back to that one but i just resonated so much because as soon as seb said all those things i was like that is literally how how i have created a life that i want for myself that's literally how i did it was the same way seb did so that's two people there with the same message uh, in terms of living on the on the farm and and stuff like i said it was something that i always wanted to do uh, we went back to voluntary simplicity a long time ago because we moved on to an eight foot boat. So when Seb said about having space, I was laughing because I was like, there's nobody who's had less space than we have uh, when we moved on to this tiny little eight foot boat, <laughs> spent three years living there. However, what we actually had there was space uh, in the very um, spiritual sense. We was on the water and all of a sudden all of those stresses of having a house and a mortgage and a lot, you know, tons of expenses and bills and all of that was gone. And we just had a really simple life. We downsized so much. And by the time we got to the point where we moved back to a, like an actual house when we moved to our farm, um, we was like, ah, I don't want all this space inside the house. Like the house was so meaningless. It was just where we slept. What we wanted was to be outside in nature, you know, growing our food, tending to the animals. And I, I, I think that's another thing people could probably maybe start to consider is maybe all that stuff we've got isn't necessary. Like maybe that's actually holding us back. Maybe that stuff is baggage, you know, having lots of things in a house stored up. Maybe what we actually need is to be freed up a little bit and, uh, I spend every day outdoors, you know, unless I'm working on the show and the podcast or something, then I'll be outdoors in the garden. Every morning we wake up, we, you know, the first thing we do is let the animals out um, take care of our dogs. And then, you know, right now it's, it's getting ready for the planting season. So we're making you raised beds. Uh, cleaning up the garden and you know it's a really physical job also you know I heat my house on wood so a good three months of the year is really just wood focused it's, you know, if I'm not chopping it I'm stacking it and seasoning it then moving it around and that's a big job because I don't use any machines I do it all by hand uh, so again I guess this for men particularly this is a really great uh, way to reconnect with your actual you know your, your, your masculine side which again modern society absolutely destroys uh, you know, I, 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 I've, I've been involved in sports, so I always had an outlet, but I know a lot of men who don't have an outlet and it really can drain them, you know, sat at a computer all day. Uh, I, I, you know, we need, we do have that in a divine masculine and a woman has a divine feminine and society's tried to mix those two things up, jumble them up, destroy the masculine, turn women into something where it's shameful to actually embrace femininity or to want to have a child and raise a family. You, you know, it's almost like a dirty secret of women now. They have a child and actually enjoy it. And they're like, you know, it's like they, they almost feel like they've betrayed feminism or something. But it's happened to every woman that I've ever met. As soon as they have a child, they're like, oh my God, my career 
I don't care about. You know, I just care about this beautiful experience and this family and this child. And I've seen it happen so many times. And that's telling us something as a society. Maybe that is maybe that is something that we should be doing. You know, maybe that is actually intrinsic to human beings. It's not an artifice of the patriarchy or whatever the hell they want to call it. So, um, yeah, so for me, being on a farm and living that way, it's like every day I feel... Uh, you know, the division of labor between me and my wife is very palpable. And that's something, again, which you really find when you live this way is that actually there are roles for men and there are roles for women. My wife's not carrying 100 kilograms of wood, you know, no matter which way you spin that coin, it's not happening. Whereas I am. And she always says, oh, thanks, darling. Oh, I can't believe you lifted that. And, you know, that that builds you up. The same with her. There's so many things that she does, which I, with my ham hands, I just absolutely destroy. <laughs> you know, like I'm heavy handed, like, <laughs> and I just don't have that touch. So she can do that and I can admire her. And every day you're both working to contribute to this one system, this one household. And if any of you um, neglected your role, it would fall apart because you, there's so many little jobs to do that it just doesn't work with only one person so you're both contributing and you know that makes everything meaningful and if you then go all the way back from that that meaningful life where everything matters you know if i don't chop the wood if we don't store it and heat it when we're going to freeze to death in minus 30 polish winters it's that simple there's no other way to heat the house uh, whereas if you go back to like living in the modern world nothing's meaningful Nothing you do is meaningful. You turn the light on, you have no connection to, to nature's economy. You do not know what went into creating that energy. The food you buy, you do not know the sacrifices, the effort, the farmer who spent five, six months of the year working with nature, putting time and energy, the finite things, the only things that we do have limited amounts of, time and energy. They're putting that into nature. And every single thing in the modern world is abstracted. So you just do not realize the energetic cost of something, uh, the human cost, and also the ecological cost, you know, that everything's actually have, that nature has cycles and not every year is the same. Sometimes crops fail, sometimes they're successful. Sometimes a farmer can spend three or four months out of the year. Like last year, we grew a load of stuff and loads of stuff just didn't grow. And, you know, like you can't force it because nature's not like that. Whereas in the modern world where everyone's kind of so abstracted from all of that, nothing's meaningful because they've not contributed to that nature's economy themselves. Uh, and that's because, of course, we live in this kind of convenience world. So I think going back to my, the way that we're living and Seb's working on the garden, it's exactly the same. When you sit down, Seb, and you are eating something and your wife's eating something that you've made yourself, you've grown, well, there's nothing better than that. You know, there's nothing better than sitting down and thinking, God, this this meal here actually started life three or four months ago, you know, and now we're sat there eating it. So it just adds so much meaning to your life everywhere you go. You know, every time I light a fire, that's wood that I've chopped. That's effort I've put into it. Uh, and, not, and it's not for everyone. Not everyone has to live like that. I get it. You know, we all have different lives. But I think um, what I would say is well, no matter how you're living, try and find ways to add more meaning to your day to day life. So it's not just an experience you have a few times a year on a holiday. That's not what life's about. You know, make eating a meal a ritual, even if it's just a meal, you know, you don't have to grow the food. Although I would certainly say self-sufficiency, if you want to survive the coming um, few decades, it's really going to be important to try and build some more resiliency into your life. But just forgetting that for a second, I would say just try and make these little rituals in your life. Try and add a bit more meaning. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that makes life much more enriching. It's, it's a better space. And for me, of course, like I like doing it this way. And 
I do think if you want to have escaped some of these more tyrannical aspects, uh, digital ID, central bank, digital currencies, then you're running out of time on this one. You, need, you know, even if it's just learning from someone like Seb or myself, like harvesting some water, simple solutions, having some chickens, don't have to be the whole hog. You don't have to leave the country, but you can add little solutions that could really save the day in a, in a tough time. If, you know, if there's a food crisis and those supply chains that are about two days, three days max, if they fail for whatever reason, either a real crisis or an engineered one, they keep talking about cyber pandemic, cyber polygon, 95% chance apparently. If they do do that, you don't want to be one of these people that's stuck in panic. So, you know, get yourself a food store, get yourself a water filter, British Beckerfeld, big Becky water filters, best you can get, don't cost a lot of money. And then you can sleep easier. You know, it just makes life easier. And you feel, and it does feel good to know that you're doing those things for yourself. It starts to empower you and disempower this beast system that has so much control and we are so dependent on. And, you know, that dependency, that dependency that they've kind of pushed us towards having, that is now what they're exploiting to make us go along with their tyranny. And if we don't have so much dependency, then you don't have to do so much. You can say, actually, no, I'm not going to disagree, you know, because I don't need you. And also, you know, for, for financially too, the more you do for yourself, the less you have to pay out in bills. So again, you, then you don't have to work so hard. And if someone threatens your job in the future, then you can say, actually, no, I'm not going to go along with it. I, don't, I can leave this job because I can survive for another year or so on my, on my, you know, living small. So voluntary simplicity, keeping it simple, adding more meaning, you know, all of those things come from living this way. Yeah, really, really great points um, by both of you guys there. I mean, yeah, I would love to, to to have that experience of, you know, growing my own food and stuff. I really sense that it's, that it's something that I would just love to do. And um, I guess the closest thing I've kind of come, come to that when I, um, I was in Australia and I was actually, I lived in a van at one point for about two months. And I was, I was, I was just, I, I kind of thought I'm having this experience. I'm just going to, I'm going to go full hippie basically here. You know, I, I, I didn't even wear shoes. I just, I, you know, the whole time I just drove down the coast and I was staying in just the most secluded places I could possibly find. Sometimes I, you know, I was basically sleeping in my van. I was, you know, going out into, into the bush and I was going out into the beaches and stuff. And I had this one, one experience where I was, you know, I had kind of like, stuff to, to cook with just like a pan and a few things like that. And I had food, which, you know, most of it was, well, not necessarily from a supermarket, but, you know, like there was people along the way who, uh, they were selling things, you know, out the back of their, their gardens and stuff. They would just have it. You would, it would just say, you know, leave a donation and take whatever we've got all the avocados we, you want. We've got all the, this or that. So I had a few fresh vegetables, a few things from the, the supermarket. And one night I thought, okay, I'm going to really go hard here, you know, with the, with the, the, the kind of hippie life. So I went out onto the beach and I made like a, a fire that I did from like taking the, um, the hair from coconuts. Like I was pulling the hair off and I built a, I kind of dug myself a hole and put the hair down, you know, and then had that as my kindling and then, and then built this fire. And then I had like full coconuts on there that were almost like big coals. And then I had my pan on top and was cooking my food. And, you know, it was just, it was just an amazing experience, you know, and I was kind of like just sitting there, there was absolutely no one in any direction. You know, I could just see all, all of the stars in the sky and I just had the experience. I just thought this is, this is actually, there's nothing complicated about this. This is actually very, very simple. This is one of the most simple experiences you can have, you know, making a fire and cooking some food for yourself. And it was just sublime. You know, it just, I, I, I'd never felt kind of more human than in that moment. You know, I was all, all alone, wasn't even with anyone, you know, it, but it was just a really amazing moment. And, um, I think that those are the kind of things that, that we kind of should live for. And, you know, the problem is kind of in this modern world, 
um, is that there's so much kind of technology. And as you said, Mike, there's so many things that are kind of taking us away from our, from our nature. There's so many things that we've become dependent on that's taken us away from that. And I actually hope that we're able to kind of have a, uh, archaic revival of sorts. I'm not sure who said that word. I've definitely not come up with that one myself, but someone said this word archaic revival. And I think that if we can kind of pull um, into the present moment, some of these things that we've kind of taken for granted from the, the past, little things like, you know, being more in touch with nature and growing your own food, et cetera, and kind of bring them into the now. And we can manage that in a balanced way with technology. I think that's something that we need to be aware of. And Mike, you know, you were saying um, as well that, you, that there's these kind of, you need to have balance with the masculine and feminine. You need to have balance with different roles. Like balance is a really important thing. And you can almost look at balance in so many different areas. And one of them, I think, is this is this idea of like, what's the balance between doing stuff that's kind of really innate within the human that kind of goes right back to the kind of lizard brain and doing stuff, you know, with technology and that's kind of like very, very, uh, very modern. And I think that a lot of these kind of these technocratic people, you know, the, the great reset folk and the Davos folk, they are purely living in the kind of extreme technology kind of, you know, everything's going to be solved by, you know, putting injections in people and, you know, using technology to to kind of bring about the world we want to live in. And I think that, you know, we do need to combat that on one sense. We can't give up on technology. You know, we wouldn't be doing this podcast right now if it wasn't for technology. Like we need to actually use these tools, of course. But I think that what's important for like people in the freedom movement and something I think, you know, is is happening. I think people are kind of trending more towards these ideas. It's just having more balance there and saying, okay, we're, we're going to do the podcast stuff. You know, we're going to watch videos. We're going to share articles. We're going to, uh, you know, blog, whatever it might be, but also to kind of have that connection, whatever it means to you, to nature, you know, have that connection to the outdoors, have that, you know, whether it's growing your own food, however it's, it's kind of expressed, like for some people more than others. And, you know, I definitely need more of that in my life. I know it's something I want more and, uh, and, and I hope to have in, in like the coming years. But I think finding that balance is like just really, really important. And, you know, I, I, I think that it is happening and, it, and it's great to see it happening because, um, you know, if we just carry on along the, you know, technology is going to solve everything. And I say this is someone who's a huge advocate for Bitcoin, for example, you know, like I love Bitcoin, talk about it all day. It's awesome. But, you know, it is a technology, but you can't, only have that like you have to still have connection to other other things in your life you know you still have to you know, have connection with your family and you know you have to still do things that kind of uh, are hitting other other areas for you so i think that i guess what i'm getting at here is you need to have the grander picture and say okay we're fighting this we're fighting this you know this uh kind of battle essentially and we need to have all the tools at our disposal disposal to fight that but you also need to at the same time kind of stay connected to the ground stay connected to the earth stay connected to nature etc so um yeah that, that's my thoughts on that stuff I guess um, we're probably coming up on time, so I don't want to just leave it there. I'll give you guys like maybe one more one more chance to kind of just air any final thoughts about that before we round things up. So, uh, Seb, do you want to just riff on that anymore? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll quickly jump in there with that one. Um, I think, yeah, the, 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 the idea of technology finding balance between something that's meaningful and then uh, using this technology for the benefit of good will be something that is different to everyone. And, and I think it always goes back to that point. It, what is meaningful to you? So if, if, if you can find meaning and purpose in your life without the technology, then that's all, you know, that, that's, that's good for you. If, if your meaning, if you're finding some benefit from the technology, that gives you meaning, then that's also for you. Like there's no wrong answer. It's, it's, it's what makes you 
be you in your best expression of yourself. Um, and, and that's, that's, that's how I would see the whole idea of balance. However, on the flip side of that, I think these, uh, obsolete, these people who dwell in the realms of, uh, the singularity, I think that their only goal now after all of this evil is to create immortality. So they, are, they now see technology as a gateway to immortality. And they, obviously they want to plug their consciousness into that. AI, that grid, uh, and, 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 and keep us all in, in this, uh, in this state of control and, and enslavement beneath them because the holy grail for these people, now that they've got all the money, they've got all the land, they've got all the slaves, all of the, all of the rituals that they've gone through in their life that have given them meaning. You know, we're talking about meaning for every single person. That's what's given them meaning. The last thing now that they need to create that we are unfortunately swept up in is this race to consciousness in an artificial form, synthetic life, because once they reach that point, they can be gods forever. So we are at this chasm, this, this divergence in society that requires us to decide of our own accord, what we want to do with our own lives. And the only problem I have with all of the technology stuff, and, I, and I'm not a Luddite, I use the technology for all of my stuff, um, is that the more inputs we get, the more they shape our perception and the more we contribute to the the notion of giving them immortality. So that is my only word of caution on that. But it comes back to you and where you find meaning in your life. And that position is different for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Really, really good point, Seb. Mike, did you want to um did you want to give any final thoughts on just that last thing that we were discussing there? And then um but we'll go around again just to kind of sign things off and, and do final, final thoughts, but just on, on the back of what Seb said there. Yeah, it, it, I guess for me, I am I am a bit of um, a, a, maybe I am a Luddite, but no, I do use the technology, but um, I do think that we have now kind of boxed ourselves into a very difficult corner. I mean, people will be aware of uh well, there's been a lot of people who have spoken about it through history, about how technology will essentially take us eventually to this point of transhumanism um, and the, 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 the place where you'll have these elite who view themselves as superior beings and godlike, um, well, gods among men, amongst men, that they will be... And then angling to try and create essentially a super a superhuman who which will be them who will be immortal and will be able to control and rule forever and then there'll be a subspecies which will be us uh, and will be essentially these kind of we'll have a half life you know we'll live for so long we'll they'll extract our energy or some kind of wealth out of us we'll be commoditized in some kind of slave type system and then they'll just get rid of us and you can genuinely see that actually happening before our very eyes. And, you know, most of history, we were slaves. You know, it's only the last hundred years that we've actually had any form of democracy. People talk about like, oh, the rich people in colonialism. It's like, no, it wasn't like that. You know, Victorian England, every single <coughs> working class person was a slave. We had two-year-olds working in uh, factories coming out with no limbs or dying. They actually had to make laws at the end of the 1800s to stop two-year-olds from being allowed to work in factories. That's how bad it was for the working class men and women. You know, this vision of history of having these super rich people. Uh, no, that was a tiny select few. Everyone else lived absolute uh, impoverished lives. And we're very, very lucky where we are. But we are really on that brink now, falling right back 
all the way down that tr that ladder, all the way to the very bottom, and then some. You know, we're going to go even lower than we ever went before because, you know, the technology actually enables them to not just not just take what you've got, Johnny, uh, uh, but to actually to actually invade every single personal space and even your own, even your body now can be invaded in a very like literal sense, you know, your mind, uh, your, your DNA, you know, the literally what we would call uh, God's encoding, you know, it's like, that is our, that's like, that, there's nothing more personal to you than that, than your DNA. You know, there's nothing more personal than that. And yet today they've managed to get people into this position where they, we actually see ourselves as some, you know, people do genuinely see human beings as parasites, you know, that we're destroying the planet and, you know, that we, we destroyed nations and this, that and the other. It's like, no, it's always been a very select few people that have done these things. Uh, and, you know, I think there's the chance for a real renaissance of actual true meaning and for people to actually realize i mean if we go if you go if you want to see how beautiful human beings can be just go look at the uh, you know go to italy and see some of those uh, vistas and artworks or some of the marble sculptures you know you'll see what we're capable of uh, my wife worked in um as a stained glass conservator she used to work on the stained glass i mean go look at that stained glass you know people spent their entire lives doing 15 16 hour days to become masters of crafts and we are capable of such beautiful things, you know, the cathedrals that we built, the architecture. So human beings are absolutely beautiful creatures. Uh, and we need to rediscover that very, very quickly because these people will have us believe that we are not only um, that we're not divine creatures, which is bad enough, but also that we're some kind of parasite. And we're not we're so we're so weak and pathetic and machines are going to take over us very, very quickly. So you better upgrade yourself. You better become like a machine. No, no, no. That'll never happen. This is all bullshit. This AI, it's all a psyop. AI is created by man and it will never be greater than man. I truly don't believe that. And I know some people that's controversial, but I don't believe that. I think so much of that is actually psyop to make you feel small. And I don't think we are small. I think we can be as great as we want to be. As John F. Kennedy said, man can be as great as he wants to be. I truly believe that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm like Seb, you know, the technologies, they can have a, they can have a very detrimental effect because they, they, they take us away from doing things for ourselves, from exploring ourselves, uh, from actually creating those skills within ourselves. We, you know, we become dependent on it. Um, same with communication. If you want to communicate and have real deep meaningful relationships you better get off the screens you know you better look into someone's eyes that you know you better go out and hold hands and walk in the forest you know you need to do these things it can't always be you know technology interfering and having that um that uh, you know that third person in the room all the time so uh it's hard we all we all have it as part of our lives but you remember that is also what's allowing them to get us to this point of potential slavery you know where, a digital concentration camp, an AI ghetto, programmable money. Uh, so yeah, I just think we all need to maybe just do, just clean out the closet a little bit of the technology and find alternative solutions just in case. You know, use it while it's there, but also remember if that technology becomes so toxic that it's going to be a part of the slave system, then maybe you're going to need an alternative. So start to implement those things now. And you know, Seb's, Seb's talked about you know harvesting water, having chickens, growing your own food. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd go start there with the basics and then uh, and you might find you use your technology less because you're in the garden or you know, you're doing something else. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, well, I really appreciate you guys both coming on for this episode. Um, you know, I wanted to kind of do something a bit different for episode 50 and, you know, I couldn't have uh, 
ask for any two better guys to bring on the show. You guys are, you know, just awesome in everything that you're advocating. You know, I love the, I love your, your respective channels and, and everything and the content you're putting out there and just, yeah. And just the energy as well, you know, and just, just the message and stuff. So I really appreciate it. You know, I'm, I'm really grateful for you both, um, for coming on here. Um, so yeah, I just want to give you the opportunity to kind of give any like final, final thoughts now, just, um, you know, anything you want to kind of leave the listeners with. Uh, but first of all, just before you do, just make sure that you mention your channels, where people can find you, all the rest of it. Um, just give people the opportunity to, to know where you are and then uh, fin- final thoughts as well. So yeah, go ahead, Seb. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks for having me on. You know, it's a bit of a privilege to be on number 50. You know, 50, 50%, halfway there, halfway there to something better. You know, so it, it feels good to be here at this time. And I hope... Uh, I hope the next 50 is good for you. That's, that's the first thing I want to say. Um, uh, people can find me at bornbright.com. Uh, I've got a new project actually, uh, which will cover how we can actually take action in the world in local support groups. And that's bornbright.com forward slash torchbearers. That will be brand new. I did get a chance to talk about it today, but have a look at that. It will be live by the time this gets out, I suppose. Um, but apart from that, the one message that I really do want to, I really, really, really do want to leave with is we've talked about where Mike is and his farm and where I am in my farm. And, and I appreciate that that can come across as like a bit of a, a bit of a, um, a like a middle class situation like oh it's all right for him to say that he's got some land he's got some chickens he's got it's okay it's easy for him to say that so i I just want to leave with if you are not there yet then start things off by creating space and the way you can do that is cut out all of the shit so stop paying your tv license if you're in the uk pay your energy companies five quid tell them there's a cost of living crisis their uh, obscene profits are affecting your mental health and you just can't cope and it's really affecting your life you can afford to pay this much money get that in writing get it in an email make sure you get a read receipt Deal with the financial things. Do same thing for the council, same thing for any loans, credit cards, anything you've got outstanding. Get in touch with them all. Tell them there's a massive cost of living crisis. We're on the verge of war. You can't handle it, but I can afford to pay this much per month. That will then create for you, hopefully, enough space in terms of finances that you can perhaps take some uh, control over buying some food or even having a little nest egg, getting you ready to move into a place where you want. So that, that, and that's a positive thing we've talked about here. That is something that starts in the mind. It's as simple as phoning them up, making a contact, changing the amount and believing with heartfelt surety and certainty that you can do this. If you do that, then your life will change. And that's, that's how I'll leave it for me. Yeah, that was a good, that was a great message, um, Seb. And yeah, I'll just start by just uh, saying where I'm at. So um, you can find me on YouTube. So that's Parallel uh, Systems Broadcast. It'll come up and we talk about um, finance, investing, but a lot of that's really about protecting yourself from what's going to come. You know, we're seeing all these financial crises. I was talking about the pensions crisis before it happened, the banking crisis, and there's plenty more to come. So, you know, we know what's coming. Just get yourself ready. And if you want to kind of have some advice on that, you can watch the channel. Also, we do a bit about, like I said, about philosophy and just the psychology. You know, this is psychological, psychologically tough. You know, you need to be able to have endurance to, to stick this one out. There's going to be, you know, some ups and downs, but also if you 
take it with the right mindset and if you take the right approach to this you might find it's the greatest experience of your life which sounds very strange because how could going through such awful crisis be the greatest experience well it could be great because you find something to live for and it becomes very vital again you know life becomes very vital uh your connections to your to your family can become very very deep because you now really need each other you know you you really appreciate a good relationship when all of this stuff outside's going on you know a good friend or somebody that you can trust you know and we've, we've lost sight of those things so like you said johnny there's right at the very start like it comes full cycle now at the end that you know people are realizing those things and that's a beautiful thing so uh yeah see it as an opportunity uh try and find that um try and be uh, forgiving of other people who are not quite there yet because it's difficult and not everyone's going to figure it out uh some people will never figure it out and you know that's just the way it's going to be you know it's got to be that way um, the other th- place you can find me is uh, parallelmike.com. So that's my website. That's just uh, literally this week. I've just started my website, but I've also got a Patreon where I put a lot of content. So my Patreon's not really f- for sponsorship as such, although people do go there to just support the channel. But there's also a lot of stuff there uh, about, you know, avoiding gold confiscation. Um, again, this talking about getting prepared in a very practical way. How can you have backup energy sources, backup heating, things like this. So we talk about that. Uh, and I guess final words would be, yeah, just remember that you, you know, you are the inheritor of God's creation. That's why you were sent here for a reason. You're not meaningless. Life isn't meaningless. We've all got something very, very beautiful and potentially great to contribute. And, you know, you, that greatness can be as much as you want. It's up to you. You know, you can live your life and, and just muddle on by or you can actually go on and change some lives. You know, we've all got that capacity. Uh, we are all interdependent as well. We all need each other. You know, no man can exist alone. There's no real true lone wolves out there. Um, unless you want to go live in a cabin and be that crazy guy who's by themselves in the forest. But, you know, it's, I wouldn't suggest it. I wouldn't suggest it. I'd say, you know, actually start building communities, you know, <laughs> build communities for sure. Um, always, you know, it, when I first started thinking about getting prepared and stuff, a part of that was, you know, getting away from a society that I saw as just on the on the cliff edge. However, it, it's changed a lot in the recent years. I've realized now you need communities. Uh, and just as a very quick final thought, you know, I met a guy who actually, um, when I was looking for my farm and we was looking for a place and I was thinking, right, we want to be as far away from civilization as possible, hide from civilization, live our little life there. And then, you know, that all changed when I met a guy who actually fled communism. He was a pilot and I, we found him randomly. We was actually on our, on our way to visit um, a farm to see it. And uh, we was walking around an empty field and there was this little air hanger. So I said, let's go across. And anyway, we ended up spending four hours speaking with this guy. He was in his 70s and he told us that he fled the communists because he refused to go along with it he said i he said at first i was all for it when they invaded poland you know everyone was who was cheering them on and we had to house these uh, soldiers in our house but he said that then they um they abused us when we was there and they treated us really poorly so i said screw this i'm not going along with it and he said i became a criminal and outlaw and he he anyway without getting into it too long he regaled his story of how he lit he fled to the mountains um Bishadi. and back then these mountains were rough places and he said i was on the run for about seven years and i nearly died about you know five or six times he nearly got killed shot all kinds of things happened to him but he said listen in the future he said you might think you want to run away you might think that you want to be by yourself but he said trust me you're going to need people you're going to need people that's your biggest asset he said don't matter if you've got no money don't matter if you've got no land no food no nothing so long as you've got other people 
And so long as you make those connections, you'll you'll get by. He said, I, I ran away with nothing, but I always figured it out. But what you can't figure out is if you've got no people, because if there's no one there to help you, if you don't have the mental support, you're going to crack at some point. So um, if you can't do all the other things that we spoke tonight, if you've got limitations, maybe you're looking at care, maybe you're a carer for someone and you've got to put all your time into just one other human being. Then start to think about community first, you know, think about where you can find someone, uh, you know, set, I know Seb interacts with a ton of people online, so do I, and I know that you're available, Johnny, so, you know, just reach out, there's people out there and, you know, you don't need to own your own land, but maybe go help out at someone else's allotment, there's always a solution, you know, there's always a solution to the kind of barriers, because we do put these mental barriers in, so really work on those, if you've got something that's like, if, if, if throughout this episode, if you have had one of those flashes where you say, but I can't do that because of X, work with that, actually think about that, where's that coming from, you know, maybe that's something that you need to think about yourself so um yeah not hopefully uh that's give people oh i just hope someone's maybe found something to take away from this you know there should be something there to at least maybe just get you started if you are struggling definitely thanks uh, thanks guys both uh, great final thoughts so thanks for coming on cheers johnny thanks mate yeah thanks a lot johnny and uh yeah as i always say I, i'm a big fan of your show so I'm looking forward to seeing the next 50 because I, I think I, I tr I'm waiting for the day where this one just blows up and I think you're going to be the British uh, Joe Rogan I'm, I'm, I'm saying it Johnny like we said we speak the future and then it happens well I'm giving you that one you're going to be the next there <laughs> you're the British Joe Rogan for me so we'll see where it goes alright I'll do my best mate <laughs> it's all possible <laughs> <laughs>